Well, it should have become obvious to you by now that today is the first day of Advent. Um, This four-week season in which we look forward to the coming of Jesus, the birth of the baby Jesus in a manger some 2,000 years ago in a country very far away. I want us to begin Advent with one of the wonderful prophetic passages from the book of Isaiah. We've already had two readings from Isaiah this morning. But the book of Isaiah, which was written more than 700 years before the birth of Jesus, is filled with very specific prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. Specifically, I'm going to be reading from Isaiah 40 today, but Isaiah 50, 52, 53, 60, which was just read from, Isaiah is the prophet with the strongest messianic expectation. And so I want us to begin this morning by reading from Isaiah 40, the first five verses. Hear now this, which is the word of the Lord. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. Isaiah 40, one of the great messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, speaks of the coming of John the Baptist. We know this because we specifically are told in John's Gospel, for instance, that this is a reference to uh, John the Baptist and to the coming of Jesus and of the plans God has to redeem his people Israel through the promised Messiah. Now, I need to be fair, though. While this sounds comfort, comfort my people sounds very positive, With very few exceptions, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah leading right up to this passage are all about God's judgment. It includes lists of judgments against a long list of nations, including a series of woes that are declared against Israel and accusations against Judah. Now, that was the prophet Isaiah's primary job, to declare God's condemnation against a disobedient Hebrew people. And Isaiah did his job very well in the first 39 chapters. They're full of siege and exile and destruction and promise of punishment. It's very hard stuff, and it doesn't seem there's very much grace to be seen. And we need to make no mistake, God is a righteous and holy God. And the time will come when he says to the people of this world, that is enough. The time when we will see the wrath of God expressed in judgment against those who have rejected and disobeyed him. But we always need to remember that while wrath and judgment are necessary for a righteous and holy God, those are not God's first plan. God's wrath and judgment are in effect his last resort. When we have ultimately and finally refused to be returned to fellowship with God through belief in his son. God's first plan His first desire is to show us his love. He made us for fellowship with him, and he desires for us to be reconciled to him. That is his greatest desire, that we return to our originally intended fellowship with him, that he can be our God and we can be his people. That's why we were made in his image, 
so that we could relate to him in a way that no, none of the rest of his creation could. So while the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are about judgment, when we get to chapter 40, today's passage, it changes radically into comfort, comfort my people. It's almost as if after making clear that God is holy and will not be mocked, God has Isaiah return to his main theme to tell us plainly that his very first desire is to love us and to be in relationship with us and to comfort us. And so God says through the prophet Isaiah, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her her hard service has been completed. Her sin has been paid for. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Comfort, comfort. In literary terms, this is called the double imperative for emphasis. It's like us saying absolutely positively to make sure that people know we really mean it. Here God is doubly emphasizing his desire that his people receive comfort despite their sins, despite the fact that they deserve judgment and condemnation. God calls for his people to be comforted. He promises that they will be spoken tenderly to, that they have served out their sentence, and that the time of exile in Babylon, their hard service, has come to an end. The sins of the people have been more than paid for, God says, and all the judgment is now to be over. But this passage is not just talking about comfort and redemption for the Jewish people of 2,700 years ago when Isaiah lived and wrote this. It also speaks to us, to our salvation, to our need for comfort. This is proven in the next passage, which we know, as I said before, is a prophetic passage about John the Baptist and the coming of Jesus. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I'm sure many of you recognize these words as an important part of George Friedrich Handel's masterpiece, The Messiah. Every year I have to say something about the Messiah because it's such a powerful and wonderful expression of the truth of Scripture. In 1741, the composer, Handel, was considered well past his prime, well past his ability to do major composition when he, as a Christian, was reading this passage from Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people. <clears throat> and it was these words that inspired him to write the Messiah, by far his greatest work despite his, his old age. And in fact, Messiah is now considered the most performed piece of music in history. The reason these words were such an inspiration to handle and why they are such an inspiration to us is that they foretell the coming of God's great redemption in the Messiah Jesus, the Son of God. That the voice of one calling, prepare the way of the Lord, refers to John the Baptist. It's affirmed to us in John's Gospel and in Matthew 3. And we understand very clearly that when it says the glory of the Lord revealed for all mankind to see is Jesus himself. It is the Son of God. The salvation for all people which God had planned since the very fall of humanity in the garden. The point at which suffering and death had been introduced into the world 
against God's intention. Now, after all the judgment, the first 39 chapters of the book of the prophet Isaiah, we now hear these good tidings, what we today would call the good news, quite literally the gospel. And that good news is simple. God is coming. He is coming in power and in victory. And while he will judge those who opposed him, he also will bring a reward of salvation and comfort to those who love him. And he will cover and forgive the sins of all his children and servants. Now, if you were to keep reading down in Isaiah 40, down to verse 11, you would be given an image that will lock in the clear idea of how God wants to comfort us and how he wants to speak tenderly to us. If it's said that a picture is worth a thousand words, then Isaiah gives us a very vivid picture of the love and comfort of God in that of a loving and caring shepherd. In verse 11, he tells us that God will literally gather the lambs up in his arms and comfort them against his breast. It says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Comfort, comfort my people. It's beautiful. But we need to be sure that we understand why we read this Isaiah passage now as we begin the Advent season and prepare for Christmas 2016. When this was written 700 years before Jesus was even born, 2700 years before now. We read this passage because here God has promised what he has promised throughout history, and that is that he would eventually comfort and redeem his people, that he would comfort and redeem us. But as we read this promise of redemption and as we look forward to Christmas, I think we tend to miss how these two themes, God's comfort and redemption and the Christmas story, fit together. We need to understand that we are not redeemed by the Christmas story. The birth of the baby Jesus did not and does not save us. By itself, the birth of Jesus as the incarnate Son of God can't save us. In fact, while the Christmas story is heartwarming, it cannot by itself provide the source of comfort that God has promised us here and that he has promised us down through history. I mentioned earlier that Handel's Messiah was written after Handel had read Isaiah 40 and it inspired the entire piece of the Messiah. Because the piece is so long, it often is broken up. But there are actually three sections of the Messiah. The one we hear at Christmas time, which is called the Annunciation, is just the first third. The second part of the Messiah is about the passion of Jesus, his crucifixion, his death and resurrection on our behalf. That is called the Passion, and it is often performed at Easter time. And then the third part of the Messiah, this great work, is the consummation about the end of time, the glorification of Christ and heaven that we find in the book of Revelation. Now, it's a shame that it is too rare that the Messiah gets performed altogether because Handel had it right when he created the three parts to this great piece of music, that there was the annunciation, the announcing of the coming of the Messiah, that there was the passion the death and resurrection of the Messiah, and there will be the consummation, the final day in which it is all brought together. Handel got it right. The Christmas story, as in Handel's great work, is not the end. 
It is not an end in itself. God's plan is not just that we have a cute baby Jesus to ooh and ah over, or that we get to sing some great songs, have some eggnog, and pass out gifts. That's not the real point. The baby Jesus is only the first part of the story. The only reason we have Christmas, the only reason that the baby Jesus came, the only reason we celebrate this time of year is because it starts the process. The manger begins the story that ends not even at Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, but when he comes again in the consummation. The real story of God's redemption, the real proof of God's love, will not come for many years after the first Christmas story. The story of comfort and redemption comes after the baby Jesus grows up. That story, the Easter story, is when we truly see God's love and his redemption in action. Of course, that story could never have happened if God's son Jesus had not come to live as one of us as a human being. And that's why we have Christmas. It's why at Christmas we read prophetic passages from Isaiah, who lived 700 years before Jesus, but who clearly was given a vision by God of how God's plan to comfort and redeem his people and the healing that he intended for us would work out. I close by sharing one more story about George Friedrich Handel. The story is told that after locking himself away for 24 days and writing the Messiah, Handel's assistant was looking for him and calling out for him. He was worried about him because he was an elderly man. But despite his calling, he got no answer. And finally, he entered into Handel's private rooms and he found the great composer holding the music to the Messiah and weeping. And when the assistant asked him what was wrong, Handel simply said, I thought I saw the face of God. That's what this season is all about. It is the time when we celebrate the fact that God chose to show us his face. And that face was in the person of his son, Jesus, who was born in a manger, lived as one of us, willingly died on our behalf, was resurrected, ascended, and who is coming again. Even more to the point, as Isaiah prophesied long ago, the first chapter in God's great plan of redemption for us in the baby Jesus will be fulfilled when he returns for us. And that is when we truly will experience the comfort that he has promised us, his people. Amen.